0: Now tonight, tonight we are talking about getting hungry, all right? Now I know that Pastor Cord and Pastor Joe, they usually open up with a joke, okay? I'm, I'm not so much a joke guy, but more of a story guy, all right? I like to tell stories, and so I'm going to open up with a story, all right? How many among you like to catch fish? Anybody? Fishermen, fisherwomen in the crowd? A lot of us, right? So in college... I really, really like to go fishing. I still like to go now, but at that time, it was like more than life itself, right? It was like fishing class, like I went fishing, all right? And so that's, that's why it took me six years to graduate, but I made it through, right? And so on one of these fishing trips, one of our favorite things to do, me and my roommate, was, was get guys who had never gone fishing and let them experience the magic of going fishing for the first time, right? It just change their lives. And so... We got a handful of guys, and there was one, our friend, his name legitimately was David Jones, and he went by Davy Jones. So we were taking David Jones fishing for the first time, and he'd never been. And so we all get out there, and we go to this place that's like kind of allowed to fish. So we go at night, and uh, we set up our poles, and we cast them out for catfish, and, uh, and, so, and then we wait. Right, And sometimes the catfish would come really quickly. Other times you'd be waiting, you know, till 3, 4 a.m. And then you got a bite. And so we're waiting and we put our rods down in the rod holders. But Davey, he was like, no, I'm going to hold mine. I'm going to hold it so that the moment a catfish picks it up, I'm going to know. And I'm going to reel it in first. And we're like, okay, you, you do you, man. And so we're all sitting back, hanging out. And there's Davey. And I mean, for a long time, he's probably been standing there for like an hour just waiting and so my buddy Trey Schleif, good friend of mine from St. Louis, he decides to pull a little prank on Davy Jones, all right? So Davy is like locked in on, on the tip of his rod, just waiting for it to move. And so Trey comes up behind him, and the catfish rods, they're long. like So he's holding the handle, but there's still about a foot of handle left. So Trey comes, and he just, he just taps the butt, which makes the tip go whoop. And so Davy, oh, he thinks he's got a fish. And so ah! nothing there. And so we're all laughing, but he doesn't know. And so he casts it back out, wait another five minutes, Trey sneaks up behind him, boop, ah! and we do that probably four or five times until we just couldn't hold it anymore. Started laughing so hard we can't breathe. Davey was not as in, in like amused as we were, but it was funny, right? It was. And so we got Davey pretty good that day, but every chance we got, we went fishing. To the point, like we got what I call nerd level about it. And when a a bass fishing seminar would come to town... We were all about it, right? Like, it did not matter what was going on that week. We were going to be in that bass fishing seminar. And so we went, and we would sit in these classes, and they'd talk for like an hour, right, on different, uh, like, Texas rig and Carolina rig and, and, you know, different crankbaits and stuff like that. And we were just eating it up, right? We were so hungry for what they had to say. Like, I didn't take notes in school, but I took notes at the bass fishing convention, right? That's how in it we were. And it was like an hour would just fly by, and every word they said was just pure gold. And then I realized, to my own shame, that a lot of times I find myself in church, and I'm, uh, I'm not quite that hungry, right? I'm here in the house of God, and life is being spoken from the stage, and I'm like, I'm going to have Chipotle for lunch, I think. Burrito, yeah, that's gonna be it. And, uh, and I'm just, I'm not as dialed, I'm not as hungry, I don't want it as bad. And I think a lot of you could probably admit that you've been there, right? You've been at church or, or at a Bible study or whatever, somewhere where you want to be hungry for the word, but you're just not there. Not like when you're, you're watching the game and it's overtime, right? With seconds left and you're on the edge of your seat and someone could say something to you and you would not hear a thing because you are so dialed in, right? How do we get that, but for the word of God? How do we get hungry for the things that God has, right? And it's a good thing to desire. In fact, in Matthew 5, verse 6, it says something about that. This is the, uh, the verse we're going to kind of center around today. So if everyone could please stand in respect for God's word, we're going to read Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. It said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. Thank you, you guys can have a seat. It's a simple verse. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. It's so easy to say, but it's so incredibly hard to do. And so we're going to break it down tonight. What does it mean? What does it actually mean? What is required to hunger for righteousness? Well, first we have to look at the context, right? Anytime you look at a passage in the Bible, you first have to look when it was written, who it was written to, the surrounding circumstances, all right? That's how we read scripture in context. And so it's in a passage in the New Testament um, called the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes, the word Beatitudes actually just means blessed or blessed, right? Because each phrase starts with blessed are those who do this, and they will receive this, right? It's saying if you live this way... This is what God has for you, right? The purpose of the Beatitudes is to present the virtues that should characterize those who are ready for the kingdom and assure them of the blessing and reward when it comes, right? So if you're ever wondering, like, am I on track for living the way God wants me to live? Check Matthew chapter 5, right? It says, blessed are those who do this. That's where you should be. And if you are, you will receive this. And he lays it out. And it's Jesus speaking in one of his most famous sermons, the Sermon on the Mount. And so our specific verse, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You guys ever just wake up in the morning and you're like, I could go for a glass of righteousness. That's, that's would quench it for me, right? Sometimes it's a little hard to, to wrap our minds around what that actually looks like, hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And so we're going to define righteousness. And there's a couple of different definitions. If you were to look it up in the dictionary, it would be something like being in the right, being morally right, being justified. That's a very literal definition. But throughout Scripture, specifically the New Testament, a lot of what Paul wrote, he uses the word in a more spiritual context. Righteousness being a right relationship with God. Now we see this right relationship with God all through Scripture. When God created man and woman in the garden, they were in righteousness. They had a right relationship with God. They did the things that God said to do the way he said to do them, and they received the blessings that followed. That's how we were created to exist, was in righteousness. But sin has taken us out. That's why we need the righteousness of Jesus to pay for what we've done. It's all through Scripture, and so that is what we're supposed to hunger for, that right relationship with God. We should want it more than we want anything else. And I'll be the first to say it's not always. Right? And I wish it was, but it's not always. And if if we are where we're supposed to be in our faith, we should have it. And sometimes that gets discouraging to me, because like I'm trying to go hard for God and it says that if I'm if I'm where I need to be, then I'm gonna hunger for righteousness. And some days like I hunger for food. Real food, you know? Chipotle food specifically. More than I hunger for righteousness. I'll hunger for, for time with my friends or, or with my wife. Not bad things at all. But when you start hungering for something more than you hunger for a right relationship with God, then it becomes a, a bad placement in your life. And it's going to cause trouble, even if it's a good thing. And so we see in Scripture that we're supposed to have this hunger. But tonight we're going to answer the question, what if we don't? All right, what if we don't? It's really easy to look at scripture and be like, I'm a Christian, I should do this, done. It's a little harder to ask the question, what do I do when that doesn't happen? Because I love Jesus and I don't always hunger for righteousness. And I think if we're being honest, a lot of us are in that boat. How do we get from where we are to having a true hunger for righteousness above anything else? The answer lies in one word transformation. Now, transformation is a theme we see all through scripture. God is huge on transformation, right? We see big transformations like the apostle Paul killing Christians one day and spreading the word of Jesus. The next we see small transformations when the apostles come and Jesus gives Simon, the new name, Peter, because he is a new man doing a new thing. We see transformation all across Scripture. In Romans 12:2, it says, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's where it starts, is in the mind. If we want to start being different, we have to start thinking different. As great as it would be just to wake up and say, I'm going to try harder to hunger for righteousness today and then we go about our day the exact same as we always do, We won't. it won't work. We can't just try the same thing and expect different results. Transformation has to start with a different way of thinking. It says the renewing of your mind. There has to be a shifting from our current mindset to one that hungers for righteousness, but the same question still plagues us. How do we do it? How do we change our mindset, right? How do we get there? The key for transformation is impact impact and and impact is such a great word um because how we're going to define it today is impact being something that affects you on a level that brings about lasting change in behavior something that affects you on a level that brings about lasting change all right and so um i'll give you an example of of impact do we have anybody who took martial arts In, in the crowd. We got a couple, right? I love martial arts. I do. I got to take karate for two years when I was in uh, high school. I loved every second of it. It was so cool. And, um, and so when I was in karate, there were certain things that they would teach us that would have an impact on me and certain ones that didn't. So one of the things they told us right off the bat, right, was, and you've probably heard this, keep your hands up, right? That was like the golden rule when you're fighting keep your hands up. And it seems simple enough, but if you like to eat Chipotle and do no cardio, like myself, it becomes difficult after about a minute or two of, of taking swings at people, right? All of a sudden, my arms that were here, they're kind of drooping here. And, and it gets a little bit more difficult. It's like, get your hands up. Yeah, I'll get my hands up. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to leave them here. And that's kind of how things went. And just the sensei telling me to get my hands up, that did not have an impact on me. I heard it, it was good advice I wanted to remember it I valued it but it did not bring about change in my behavior so it did not impact me do you want to know what did impact me? taking a couple of these right to the face right? that impacted me getting repeatedly punched in the nose will make you keep your hands up like nothing else, right? you're like hands are falling down pop, take one, you're like oh I didn't like that Oh, but I'm getting kind of... Oh, there it is again. All right, so the hands are up. I don't care how tired I am. I am taking no more thunder cookies to the noggin. Not happening, okay? That had an impact on me, right? It, it changed my behavior. Guys, what we need to do to develop a hunger and a thirst for the Word of God is let your faith repeatedly punch you in the face. Okay, hear me out. Let it repeatedly punch you in the face. And what I mean by that is let it sink in, right? Let it let it sink in a level that you cannot go on living the way that you are because of what you have read, right? And that takes more than just the verse of the day. I love the verse of the day, but the verse of the day is milk. It's not meat, right? Get in here and dig in and really dig in. Right, We have to hold this book to such a high standard that when we read its words, we let it change our behavior, change the way we talk, change the way we handle situations. Let the Word of God repeatedly punch you in the face and it will change your life. I heard an amazing quote uh, when I was at CIY with the students. And my wife wrote it down for me, so shout out there. And it says, If you believe in God... Like you believe the sky is blue. That's information, not transformation. That's information, not transformation. Because we can all go outside and be like, yes, the sky is blue. I believe it with all my heart. And that does not affect a single decision we make the entire day. If we believe in Jesus the way we believe the sky is blue, that's information. It's not transformation, guys. And I firmly believe that Jesus did not come to inform, but he came to transform. Jesus did not come just so that you would know that there is a way out of sin and death. He came so you would take it and become something more than you are. He came not just so that you would know there is freedom from your brokenness and chains but so that you would be free from your brokenness and chains. And there is a difference between the two. So often we are content with being informed, but not transformed. And if we're going to hunger for the word of God, we have to seek transformation. It is the key. We will only develop a hunger and a thirst for righteousness when we allow ourselves to feel the gravity of who he is. And that's something that's hard to explain, but... But when it happens, it is, it is unforgettable, right? For me, the thing that does it the most is, is musical praise and worship, right? I'm, I'm a music person, and so sometimes I'll just be singing, right? And I'll be singing the songs, and, and I'm doing my best. And I would love to say that it happens every time, but it's not an every time thing, but all when it does, right? I'm singing, and we're going, and all of a sudden, it's like I can feel the weight. Of how great he is. And it just snaps and it's like, oh my goodness, right? And I don't know if I should like get down on my knees and like I start crying and I don't know why I'm crying and I'm questioning things. I'm like, what is going on? And it's because we get just a glimpse of the glory of God and it tears us apart. And it's amazing. But if we don't seek it, if we don't hunger for it, if we don't get serious about it, Then those moments get further and further apart, and pretty soon we live our lives content with being informed, but never transformed. We have to feel the gravity of who He is. In John 6, 63, it says, The words of Jesus are spirit and life. I love that. The words of Jesus are spirit and life. I heard a whole sermon preached on that one verse. The words of God are spirit and life right and he just kept saying over and over again he pointed to this word he'd say this is life and after he said it a couple of times it made me realize like man i literally have the key to eternal life in my hands and it collects dust on my shelf most of the time right even even as a pastor right i'd love to say that my bible reading was on point but i'll be the first to say it's a struggle I'm not a reader and often that gets, oh, I'll read later, right? I'll read in bed and then I get to bed and I'm really tired. I'll read tomorrow and it turns into weeks and I I have a life, literal life in my hands and I treat it just like any other book, because I don't allow myself to feel the weight. It's like, oh, if we only knew the gift we held, if we only knew the answers and the transformation that would occur from this book right here, we would be more psyched about it than anything else. But we can't get there until we feel that, until we allow ourselves to go deeper and feel the weight of who God is. When we begin to realize just how amazing the righteousness of God is that he calls us to, that's when we start to get hungry, right? When you hear hunger and thirst for righteousness, a lot of the times it doesn't sound that appealing because we don't know what's on the line. We're like, oh, righteousness, yeah, cool, but man, oh, if you knew what righteousness included... If you knew what came with a right relationship with God, right? Peace when you should absolutely not have peace. When everything is going nuts and everyone's freaking out. You don't know why, but everything's fine, right? Well, you do know why, because you have hope and an everlasting savior, right? You have self-control when, when you're in a world of no self-control Right? In a world of fear and anxiety, you have hope and confidence, right? These things that are just priceless, and it all comes with the right relationship with God. But so often we don't know what we have, we don't know what is available to us, and we just shrug it off, right? I've been there, absolutely. But when we realize what's at stake, when we fully realize, like, oh, that's what righteousness is, I want it, that's when we start to get. Hungry, and you guys know this. This is a universal truth, all right, across the board. Hungry people are dangerous people, right? Any way you look at it, hungry people are dangerous people. All right, honesty time. How many of you guys would consider yourself to be a hangry person at times? Anybody? Right? We got some. We got some pointing. Right? right? I'll admit, I get a little bit. I get a little bit, a lot of bit hangry sometimes. Right, And I don't even realize it. Sometimes I'm just like aggressive and my wife's like, Elijah, why are you so angry? I'm like, just everything is going wrong. She's like, nothing's wrong. You're just hungry. I'm like, that's not true. She's like, do you want to go to Chipotle? Yes, very badly, please, right? Hungry people are dangerous people. It's the same in sports, right? Anybody who has ever rose to the top of their game did it because they were never satisfied. Right? They never got to a level and were like, hey, I played pretty well today. I think I'm gonna stop practicing and just peek right here. Right? That's what I'm gonna do. No! The best of the best, they're never satisfied. They're always hungry. They're always practicing. They're always putting in work to get just a little bit better. Right? And it's the very same for our faith. A hungry believer is a dangerous believer to the enemy. He absolutely is. And I know that the enemy knows that. That's why he works so incredibly hard to make sure that we are too distracted to get hungry for righteousness. Because he knows that if we realize what's in front of us, we realize that we are in a real spiritual battle, right? With real blessings and real consequences and a real timeline that's running out. If we were to realize the gravity of the situation, excuse me, that we are in, we might live our lives a little bit differently. And so he tries so hard to make sure we don't realize that. Because when we do, we get hungry for righteousness. And when we get hungry for righteousness, we get dangerous to the enemy, right? We start pursuing God like never before. God starts blessing the fruits of our efforts. We start evangelizing more. We start doing bigger and better things for the kingdom of God. We start drawing more people into the kingdom. And it all starts with getting hungry. With Getting hungry. As I wrap up here, I'm going to ask the band to come back up on the stage. And I want to read this verse to you guys. It's Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14. I like this verse. I really do. It says this. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Guys, I speak to myself first. But I think a lot of you can relate Some of us have been asleep for far too long. Some of us have been content with being informed instead of transformed for a long time, right? Maybe ever. Some of us, maybe we had a fire in our belly at one point for the Word of God. But that fire got smaller and smaller as life got more stressful and more stressful. And we went to sleep. And we closed our eyes and we didn't see the gifts that were right in front of us. We didn't see that this is life. We didn't feel the gravity of who God is. We stopped letting it impact us and change us. Some of us have been asleep for far too long, but today I want to challenge you guys and myself to start the process of transformation, to stop being solely informed and begin being transformed. And the hard part is it's not, it's not a light switch, right? It's not just a, all right, I'm informed, click, now I'm transformed, all good, right? Transformation is an ongoing process that will only be complete when Jesus comes to take us home. But it's an amazing process because each step we take reveal new glories and mercies of God that just blow our minds, right? It really does. Some of us have stopped that journey Some of us have never started that journey. All right. Some of us are losing hope in that journey. Guys, tonight, I want to challenge you. It is time to open our eyes and wake up. Right. Ephesians 5 says, awake, O sleeper, and the light of Christ will shine on you. That light is a powerful thing. The presence of God is an amazingly powerful thing. Something that he wants us to experience, each and every one of us. He wants an intimate, close relationship with each of us. But if the enemy keeps us asleep, it's something we will never, ever experience. So I want to ask you guys, what's been keeping us asleep? Sometimes it's fear, right? Sometimes we go through this life and we're so afraid of what the TV is telling us, right? We're so afraid of what the people around us are telling us. We're so afraid of what other people think that we forget that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that we serve a God who cannot stop, never has, never will, and we have nothing to fear. But we won't wake up. We can't see the light until we open our eyes, right? Maybe it's busyness. That's it. That's a big one for me, right? Maybe we're involved in a lot of things and that's great, right? And there are a lot of good things, but all of a sudden we take a chunk here and a chunk there and we're like, I'll give God whatever's left. And that chunk gets smaller and smaller and smaller and we go to sleep and our eyes are closed to the light of Christ that is so desperately trying to shine upon us and transform us and bless us. It is time to open up our eyes. It is time to wake up, O oh sleeper, and let the light of Christ shine on you once again. Maybe you've never made the decision. Maybe you've lived a life of information about Jesus and you're a fan, right? Like, I love Jesus. I love everything I've heard about him. Maybe it's time to stop being informed and for the first time in your life, be transformed by the love of Jesus Christ. Guys, tonight the altar is open, all right? And what I love about the altar is that's where where stuff gets done, right? When people come up to the front, and there's nothing special about the place, right? But when people will physically go out of their comfort zones and step up to the front of the room and say, God, transform me. Right? Take me to the next level. Open my eyes. Give me a hunger for your righteousness above all else. He meets us there. Oh, he meets us there. And it is absolutely incredible. It's like nothing else, guys. That's what he wants for us. And tonight, I challenge you. If you are in the process of transforming, keep going. Don't give up. No matter how discouraged you get, no matter how hard it gets, keep fighting forward. Because it is worth it. If you've stopped your journey, pick it back up tonight. Whatever that looks like, it starts with the heart of worship. It starts with a bowing of the heart and saying, God, I am willing to be transformed. I desire a hunger and a thirst for you. So guys, I invite you to the front where you can stay in your seat, but whatever you do, give it to God. If your friend comes up, you come up with them. You let them know that you're there. Pray in agreement together. But tonight we are going to get hungry. We are going to get hungry for righteousness as we praise his name. Gracie is going to come up here and pray for us. And then we are going to worship, guys. And when we worship, I pray we worship hungry. We worship calling God to shine down the light of Christ on us. To let us feel just an ounce of the weight of how good he is. That is my prayer for tonight. And we are gonna praise God because he is worthy of his glory. Let's get hungry.